When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Tuesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. My name is John Schmelk, joined by Lance Meadow, and the phones are open and they are ringing. It's 201-939-4513, 201-939-4513. We will try to get to your calls early and often here. It's been a long time since we've had a chance to speak to you. We look forward to it. Mr. Meadow, how was your weekend? How are you, sir? I'm doing very well. It's a very busy time in the National Football League, John. I will tell you that. It's not just what's going on with the Giants with respect to news around the league. Deshaun Watson, the Miami Dolphins yeah. today being punished. I tell you, man, we are back in full season mode. Yes. Uh, anything that, you know, was a quiet portion of the NFL offseason is, is a, definitely over. Uh, before we get started, Lance, I want to congratulate you. Welcome back to Twitter. Thank you. Now, I do wish... So much for keeping it on the down low, but yes, I appreciate oh, it. Oh, I had already talked about it on yesterday's show. That, that oh, you is, did? Oh, absolutely. Well, lovely. I love it how you guys <laughs> wait for programs that I'm not on to air out the dirty laundry. Well, Thank I mean, you. in fairness, I, I, I wasn't yeah. on a program previously when I did have the dirty laundry. So as soon as I found out about it, I did talk about it, in fairness. Okay. Well, at least you're throwing out some of the truth yeah. in the midst of this conversation. Well, I mean, I, I do wish that the person that did it, though, had more of a sense of humor and, like, change your profile picture to, like, LeBron James. I think that would have been, like, <laughs> oh, the yeah, real sure. cherry on yes, top. Yes, because it would have been more painful looking at that account publicly yes. without having access to it. Yes. Absolutely. Like, yes. if the person really – see, the person really needed to give it a more personal feel to the, to the hack to, 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 to really stick it to you by doing that. So I'm a little disappointed they didn't take it to the, like that level of you know making it personal with you as as Michael Jordan would say. Well, and they could have also put that in the bio too. Yeah, you know, like LeBron James's number one fan or something to that degree. Oh no, it would have been worse than that. It would have been fan of the greatest player in NBA history, LeBron. <laughs> Let's James. not go so far. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that, that's definitely what I would have read though. Oh, <laughs> if that would have done. What you said, that yes, it would have certainly struck a nerve. I will give you that. Psychological damage to Lance Meadow if that was the case. No, but no question thankfully that was yeah. not the case. No. And there is no psychological damage. No, and, 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 and it didn't look like there were any like, public tweets put out there, right? No, like, thank goodness the there were yeah. not. That's no, good. not at all. Nothing was tweeted from the account. So I am very thankful from that standpoint. And now I am happy that the security people took over and we've <laughs> taken proper precautions. And if anybody tries that trick again... We will have an entire team going after them. I can assure you that. See, lads, you have to get that two-factor authentication going here. You know what I mean? Oh, we and have then... a three-factor authentication <laughs> going, okay? There is fingerprints involved. There is eye scanning. There are hair samples that are now hair, provided. Hair, oh, okay? DNA. It's yes, DNA. DNA. Nice. Blood okay. testing, too, we're experimenting with. Yes. <laughs> 
Forget two. Two, two is a uh, thing of the past, John. Come on. Oh, Three now. Yeah. All right. So uh, let's talk about practice today. It was, uh, it was a day where the Giants worked on more third and long. After a day in pads, they decided to come out of pads today, and they were back in shells. So I think they had like three running plays run throughout all of practice. It was basically all throwing, all passing. And frankly, Lance, I thought it was one of the better days for the Giants offense. I thought, you know, Daniel Jones was pretty sharp. There, were, there was an interception or two in there. Uh, Dory Jackson made a couple really nice plays on two interceptions over the course of practice. But there were some nice connections. Other Darius Slayton had one of his best practices of the year. Um, Saquon Barkley had a really nice back shoulder catch. Colin Johnson had some good catches. So I thought I just thought it was it was a good day for the offense. And, you know, they did a lot of one-on-ones and seven-on-seven. And you want to see in those one-on-ones and seven-on-seven drills your offense winning consistently. And I, I think... More so than I've seen so far during camp. I thought this was certainly one of the better days for the offense overall. And I think it's also a product of they're not that far removed from coming back to camp. And you figure it's going to take some days for guys to get their legs back underneath them. Remember, they're still digesting this new scheme with Brian Dable and Mike Kafka. They didn't put the pads on during the spring. We're only two days into padded practices or some element of at least a little bit more physicality, you would expect that sometimes there's going to be some growing pains because there's a lot of newness across the board. So I think like anything else that we've seen every time training camp starts, and I get it, we're all yearning for football, but my takeaway is the early practices in particular, I think it's a little bit of overkill in terms of the analyzation, considering once again, as I mentioned, guys are going a few weeks away from actually playing the physical aspect of football out on a daily basis. Wait, 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 wait. wait. You're you telling me big catches the second week or two in is training yes. camp at the end of July doesn't portend your success during an NFL regular season? No, but you know, really? some people would argue. Wow. Otherwise, so I just figured that, you know, we throw out something to maybe (laughs) try to clarify that to a certain degree. You know what I would love to do as an exercise? I I know we have all these over-unders before the season starts. I don't know how many times, no, that we actually go back and look at whether or not things were on point. But it'd be great to go back in previous years and look at how training camp practices were analyzed and whether or not the performance of any of those individuals had any influence on what actually took place during the course of the oh, season. Oh, I mean, you can go back. Uh, I mean, Jesus. I, I, I have to think of some of the names of some of the guys that had well, been I'll give dominant in training camp. Who was uh, Robinson? Adewale Ojomo. Oh, Adewale okay. Ojomo was a good He's who, at the top of my list. Who, who, who's the receiver that, that they just kept throwing bombs to in training camp and then in the Colts preseason game? Uh Washington was his last name, and I can't think of his Corey Washington. Corey Washington, yes. thank you. Yes, that was another one. You can't teach height. No, He's you can't a, teach height, A baby. textbook example of that, yes. <laughs> yeah, there, there, He's there from the been, Ramsey's Barden School of Thought. Yeah, yes. there, there, there have been a lot of, a lot of you know, those, those big plays. And you have to take everything with a grain of salt. The most important thing is that, you know, do your best players look like they're dominating the way they should, right? And are they playing the way sure. you need them to play? And those are kind of the things. And then, you know, it's more important once you get to the preseason. And the Giants, too, they're going to have their big scrimmage. On Friday night, so that's going to be a big night. The fact that, Lance, they're giving them basically a day off the day before and the day after that scrimmage tells me it's probably going to be a pretty physical, hard-going deal here. So my guess is that's going to be a, almost like like a real game simulation in a lot of ways, maybe not tackling to the ground or anything like that. But for for the Giants to give them a day off before and after that tells me that's probably going to be a fairly big deal in terms of getting ready for the season. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I think that probably they're gradually, once again, as I noted earlier, in terms of what they were building towards with respect to 
Monday's practice as well as today's practices. You don't want to overwork them. You don't want to throw them into the grind so quickly. You want to do it in a methodical manner. And if you're going to have a pretty intense practice, also remember later in the day on Friday, so the scheduling's a little bit different too, John. You want to make sure that the guys, the bodies, the biology doesn't necessarily get off kilter as a result of you switching things up. I think that's more of a reason why you would hope they'd get some good work in that Friday practice, which is, I think, according to the schedule, expected to go about two hours long anyway. So that's more of a reason why you would expect that they would get a lot of decent work in. Yeah, no question about it. So it's uh, good to see them working and, and getting some good work done. Had a chance to run into Len from Columbia, Maryland. He was at practice today. So we did, Paul and I walked over. We had a chance to talk to him for a few minutes before practice. That was good. Very nice. Anybody else who is a common caller uh, Mo- making an appearance? Marty and Manahawken. Okay. Yo, that wow. said hello. So the volume so he, is adding up here. Yeah, so that's two. Uh, they're all very excited. You know, Paul you know, walks around like the mayor. Oh, of course. Well, that goes without saying. Now, very quickly, obviously. He's not walking around slowly, but he's walking very quickly as, as, as the mayor down here. So That's why I'm surprised cool. anybody could actually chase him down or get his attention. The Bronze Blur is what his nickname <laughs> is. The Bronze Blur. <laughs> that's Paul DeTino, the Bronze Blur. There a Marvel movie coming out anytime soon that I should be aware of? If Paul DeTino was a superhero, he would be the Bronze Blur. That, that's exactly what he would be. And his superpower would be annoying people about his excitement for football. <laughs> Which he has honed on a daily basis oh, for the God. last 50 years. Oh, yeah, yes. absolutely. Very, well, maybe very they make exciting. it a Fantastic Five now instead of a Fantastic Four, and they make him the new addition, the yeah, Bronze I, Blur. Yes. I, 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 I love the alliteration, by the way. No problem. I see you've put a lot of thought into this. I, I, I actually really did. I, I just oh. kind of came up with that today. Um, but I, I'm not sure that Fantastic Five would last long. I, I think that Tino would eventually drive the other four members out of the group because they weren't enthusiastic enough about what they were doing. They would not meet the standard. Yeah, well, He'd yes, be correct. playing pretty much five-on-four basketball at some point <laughs> in that film. That simulated game wouldn't last very long. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, anything, Lance, jump out to you from uh, what was said in media veils, either from Brian Dable in the morning or from uh, the players in the afternoon? Well, I think we should start with the injury news, John. Yeah. The fact that Dane Belton, their rookie defensive back, broke his collarbone. The good news is Dable indicated that he does not need surgery, so I think that's encouraging. And he would not, when he was asked this, was have a question about, well, could Belton start the season on IR, which, by the way, first he'd have to make the 53-man roster, then be placed on IR to have eligibility to return. I just want to make sure everybody's clear on that. But didn't seem like Dable was overly concerned that right now that's a serious conversation. Once again, this is my interpretation. I think that there's a good possibility, the fact that he doesn't need surgery, that maybe he could be ready to at least become active again by the time the start of the season. So I don't think we're looking at – I actually tweeted this out right before we went on the show because, believe it or not, John, if you recall, this is the third straight year that a rookie defensive back has suffered some type of an injury or has been limited in camp. Remember, Xavier McKinney, two years ago, the broken foot, that put him on IR to start the season. He didn't return till November. Aaron Robinson was on PUP all of last year. Now, he had all-season core muscle surgery, so he didn't necessarily suffer an injury in camp, but he was limited, and therefore he didn't return until November. I don't think built-in is as severe. I don't think we're looking at the same significant amount of time, but from his perspective, you're transitioning to the NFL. You've been preparing for the combine and the draft oh, all brutal. this time. It's right, brutal. exactly. It's so brutal. it's a bit of a rude awakening, and these are valuable practices where I think he can make some headway. So it hurts him at least from that standpoint. Yeah, especially for safety. You know, it's one yeah. of those situations where it's complicated, right? And you have to learn a lot of different facets of the game, coverage, run defense, all that stuff. And 
And for him to miss this time certainly will uh, will hurt him. And, and Brian Dable was very positive about the job he had done so far, too, in terms of coming along. So, uh, yeah, stinks. Not great. Um, Kenny Galladay wasn't really active in practice today either. At least I didn't see him do a whole lot in team things unless I missed them. I don't think I did. Uh, no word on that. My guess is probably just like a maintenance day of some kind for him. Uh, he was out there on the practice field. I just didn't see him do a ton in the, in the uh, team portions of practice. But um, otherwise, yeah, it was uh, it was a good day for the offense. It was good to see him have one of their better days, moving the ball up and down the field. Again, you a couple turnovers in there. Dory Jackson with the two picks, uh, which was uh, good to see for him. He's a guy over the course of his career, Lance, as we've detailed here, has not had a lot of interceptions. Just three. Exactly. So getting his hands on two footballs. One was on, he undercut a pass to Kadarius Tony over the middle. Uh, the other one, uh, Wandell Robinson, Daniel Jones had to kind of squeeze it into him over the middle, and it looked like he threw it to Robinson's outside shoulder when Robinson was looking for it on the inside shoulder. At least from my angle, I have not seen the, you know, the, 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 the tape of it to, to double-check that, but that's kind of what I saw. So um, that's kind of where we are, and I thought it was just good to see the offense going. Tomorrow, I believe they are back in pads. Then, as I mentioned, they'll have Thursday off. And then they will have that uh, scrimmage in the Fan Fest over at MetLife Stadium on Friday night, followed by an off day on Saturday. And then, Lance, like, we are right now nine days away from the first preseason game, so it, it's going to come at you fast here. We got a Hall of Fame preseason game on Thursday between the Raiders and the Jaguars, and then all of a sudden, a week later, to your point, the Giants will be in New England to play the Patriots. So, yeah, things move very quickly. There's no doubt about that, and this will give the coaching staff an opportunity to get a better taste of the roster and see perhaps who they want to give more snaps to, who they want to look at a little bit more closely in practice. One thing I want to piggyback off of your point yeah. about Dory Jackson's interceptions, you got me thinking, and also Dory spoke to the media yesterday. He was specifically asked That's always why. Trouble. You're yeah. thinking. I don't, I don't like that. <laughs> well, of course, yes. So you know this program is about to turn to the worst. Yes. Spoiler Correct. alert for the rest of our listeners in case they want to at least uh, be you know on the edge of their seats in terms of what's coming their way. But when you think about Wink's defense, John, and the fact that you put a lot on the corners and it's man-to-man in terms of the mindset, I don't know how you feel, but normally when you have a man-to-man defense more often than not and you're relying on these corners to get so focused with the wide receivers, sometimes that doesn't present a lot of opportunities for interceptions, I would argue. 100%. Okay, so I guess what I'm getting at is I'm not building an excuse here for a Dory Jackson this season, but I wouldn't argue that this system will perhaps present a lot of opportunistic plays, I guess is what I'm saying for Adori. And I go back to the numbers for Baltimore. We talked about this with respect to the sacks, John, not to get off topic, but how you didn't have any guy have double-digit sacks in Wings defense because it was spread the wealth. We're going to have secondary players, linebackers, defensive ends, you name it. Well, Marcus Peters was the guy that led the way for Baltimore in 2020. He had four to lead the way. And everybody else had three or less. It wasn't a high volume, once again, opportunistic defense. Oh, and by the way, and- you say three or less, Lance. And Peters had four. Linebacker Tyus Bowser <laughs> had three. Linebacker Patrick Crean had one. The other starting corner, Marlon Humphrey, had one. And strong go. safety Chuck Clark had one. So, yeah, not a lot of interceptions because of that system like you mentioned. And then I want to move to last season. I just I went back two years because I wanted to make the point that yeah. this is not necessarily just one random year. 2021, they only had nine interceptions as a team. Anthony Averett, okay, at corner had three. So they were one less than Peters the previous year. Then Chuck Clark, who you referenced, who had won the previous year, he had two. And then you had four other players with each one. Now, the majority, in fairness, were secondary players. Yep. Mm-hmm. There was just one... 
Actually, no, there were no linebackers. It was all safeties and corners now that I double-checked in terms of the breakdown. But once again, you're still talking about an extremely low volume for the bulk of your starting corners and safeties. Yeah, and look, if someone's going to get the pick, it's probably going to be the safety and not the corner or the linebacker. Yep. You know, if they're kind of in that robber area in the middle of the field, you know, helping other people that are in man-to-man. So, yeah, no, I'm with you. I don't think, you know, I think you try to force fumbles with this defense, with your blitzes. You try to force the quarterback uh, to maybe not see a guy lurking in underneath coverage, whether it's a safety or, or a linebacker, or maybe the quarterback gets hits as he throws because of all the pressure, and then you can get interceptions that way. So I think that's the way you're going to try to create these things as you move forward here. And that's why, that's to me the biggest takeaway. If you want to look for a comparison of the identity of this Giants defense, it's hard to compare personnel because Wink had a completely different group of guys in Baltimore. That goes without saying. But it is interesting to pick up on tendencies and trends. I look at those types of things. And, for example, turnover differential or whether or not the takeaways were extremely high during his tenure specifically as defensive coordinator. And if you go back two years, just to give you an idea, John, 2021, actually, okay, let's start from last season. Last season, the Ravens overall, I mean, the numbers, turnover differential, minus 11. Now, I understand, listen, that's a product of also how your offense is playing, which doesn't necessarily have anything to do with what Wink is teaching. But they were a good defense, but they weren't necessarily a defense every year that was up there in terms of taking away the ball, all of a sudden giving the offense layup lines. I think that's just important to understand his mindset as a play caller and what exactly he's gotten out of previous personnel. Well, just to give you an idea, you talk about plus minus. I'll take it a different way. Third fewest takeaways in the league last year with 15. Only the Jets and Jaguars had fewer. That's 2021. I'm going to go back to 2020 here. The Ravens ranked, let's see, they were better. They yeah. had 22 that year. 12 of those came on fumbles. In fact, I believe they were third best in the league in terms of fumble recoveries, and they were 23rd in terms of interceptions. They had 10. Correct. And then if you go back to 2019, uh, if I sort via takeaways here, Baltimore was seventh. And again, they were only they had 13 interceptions, which was kind of in the middle of the league. But they were very high in the fumble category. They had 12. So that was kind of, you know, where they ranked and, and where they, you know, kind of, you know, do their business more in the fumble category than in the uh, interception category. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Lance, you ready to take some phone calls? Absolutely. Let's do it. All right. Giant season tickets are on sale now for the 2022 season. In addition to ticket savings, membership benefits include access to exclusive events, experiences, pre-sales, and more. You can lock in your seat starting at just 100 bucks. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash tickets for more information. All right. Here we go. We're back. Marco in Connecticut will lead us off. Marco, how are you? John, Lance. What's up, man? Is you? How are we doing? Are we, are we live? Yes, we are. We are we, live. We, we, we are yes. once again Big Blue Kickoff live. BBKL, yes. not just BBK. It is, or as Paul would say, BBKL. Yes. Yes. This yes. Is, it's, it's, great, it's great to talk to you guys. Um, comes at the right time that we're back speaking to each other again. Um, listen, I, I appreciate all the content along the way leading up to this. I've listened. I really like the giant huddles. That you did with the position groups. I thought that was great. Thank um, you. What? Yeah. So, 
One of them that jumps out and kind of ties into my two questions. Uh, Blake, you did the linebackers one. And Blake Martinez, I thought it was so interesting when you guys talked about Ellerson Smith. Uh, and just like, um, just to refresh your memory, he, you know, I don't know if John, if you brought it up or Blake brought it up, but you're talking about how explosive he, he is as a player. And uh, Blake, or one of you said, like, or I think Blake said that he might be the most explosive guy, and you could speak better to this, either on defense or out of all the linebackers, which I thought was crazy. I, it was really interesting. But, yeah, and I think, Mark, like, well, I think in the defensive line one, I think Leonard Williams identified Ellerson as a potential, you know, under-the-radar breakout guy this year, too, if I remember correctly. So, uh, that's really cool. Um my, my two questions, then. What about him specifically? And then who do you guys think, um, not the first-year guys, the rookies, but more like these year two, three guys, who are the guys, not the obvious ones, that you think can make like a, a bigger jump this year than maybe ones that, um, that really aren't being talked about that much? Um, hey, I'll, I'll jump off. I know you guys have other callers, but thank you, and I look forward to catching up soon. Yeah, thank you. Guys. Thank you. Appreciate right, the call. Um, well, let's take a look here. We can talk about Ellerson Smith first as I kind of go through this list a little bit. You know, Lance, he's a guy that, you know, he missed that whole year of, 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 um, college. of college because yeah. of COVID, because uh, Division One AA didn't play their games that year because of COVID. So he basically missed an entire season. Then he came in, he got hurt last year, and it kind of, you know, took him a little while to get going. And we knew that was going to be a bit of a transition going from that level of play to the NFL. But look, if you look back at his athletic testing coming out that year and the combine and things like that, it was off the charts. It was as good as you can be, uh, as good as you can get. So, yeah, look, he has potential. He just needs to be able to figure out how he can take that, you know, physical ability and have it translate consistently on the field. Now, in practice, you know, he's been out there with the second team more often than not, and I think he's been one of the guys more consistent than others getting into that backfield. Him and Quincy Roche, I think, have both done a pretty good job with that second team uh, getting in and around the quarterback uh, during practice. So, yeah, look, I think Ellison has has the chance to become something, whether it's more than a situational pass rusher maybe, but I think that's kind of a good place to start. And his length, size, explosiveness, athleticism, I think Wink Martindale will certainly find ways to use him in his scheme and in his blitz packages moving forward here. Well, you like the makeup of the player, as you just indicated. I think the biggest difference from college to the pros for most young players is you start to realize athleticism can only take you so far, John. Yeah. Because then it becomes fundamentals and technique that could be the huge differential. Watching Offensive film, too, linemen, all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Because they'll have a better grasp of being able to contain your athleticism. So now you have to find ways based on study habits and tendencies to be able to counter that. So I think that's where Ellerson Smith is. I don't think it's a question about the athleticism. It's now can he translate that to consistent success. Remember, he only played 19% of the defensive snaps last season. You brought up Quincy Roche. Roche... At least you saw what he could do in some NFL action a little bit. I mean, I remember games last year where, you know, he got the sack. Specifically, if memory serves me correct, against the Raiders, right? He had the big game ceiling one on Derek Carr. So you think of plays where he came out and he made a statement in the light, game on the line. You knew he could come through. You had a little bit of tangible evidence. I don't think we have that with Ellerson Smith. I think a lot of it is raw. He was also mainly a special teams player. Does now wink tap more into his defensive skill set. 
Absolutely. Perhaps. Remember, there's a lot of young linebackers on this team. There's a lot of guys fighting for reps and roles. And I understand they're not necessarily all on the edge. You also have Jihad Ward, who came over, who has experience with Wink. This is going to be quite the competition to determine roles, I think, within this defense outside of the Azizo Jalaris, the Kayvon Thibodeaux, meaning the yeah. guys that we mm -hmm. expect to get the bulk of the work, John. Outside of that, you could literally be a young guy and you could carve out an opportunity for yourself. I don't think it's unheard of based on who's on this depth chart right now. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if they stockpile guys that they think can rush the passer. Like when, when we finally do our 53 predictions and you have the position stacked, well, how many in this group, how many in that group? My guess is because of the way they're going to want to play on defense that those type of edge guys that can line up at different places, stand up, hand down, has good athleticism that you can get home when you blitz – they're probably going to go a little bit heavier on those guys just because of the scheme, I would think. So I agree. I think a lot of those young guys, you know, will have some opportunities. Now, in terms of guys that can – I'll let's take guys in their first three years. So anyone three years or younger, right? Um, so in terms 2020 of guys that can to the present. Yes, I correct. guess is what we're so talking starting, about. And, and I'm going to take Andrew Thomas and Xavier McKinney, and I'm going to – Put them aside because I think those are obvious guys, right? Understandable. Um, look, I think it's important for Shane Lemieux if he can claim one of that starting those starting jobs. He's been at center a little bit now since John Feliciano went out. Um, Darnay Holmes has yep. done a great job getting his hands on the football in practice. He has three picks, a forced fumble, but he's also had some issues in coverage. Like this today in one-on-ones, he kind of got lit up a little bit. He had some issues on, on, on some balls down the field. So... The Giants are going to need him to play well in the slot. So I think we've seen potential. We've seen you know, him flash what made the Giants select him when they did. He was a fourth-round pick, if I remember correctly. Right, Darnay? He Darnay was, Holmes he, was a fourth-round pick. He was an early fourth-round pick, yep. right? He was the first pick they made on day three that year. Out of UCLA. Um, correct. Mm -hmm. So that's a guy that I think can step up, but I want to see more consistency out of him, even in practice. Obviously, Kadarius Tony's an easy one. Um, we mentioned Aaron Quincy Robinson, Roche. I think, is another one. Yeah, go ahead. Talk about Robinson. Yeah. No, if you want to expand on no, that, just please, we're throwing ahead. out names. No, go, go, well, go. Aaron, I think, has a great opportunity here. Remember, you know, it goes back to my point that I made earlier. He had core muscle surgery at this time last year. He was on PUP. He wasn't practicing. He didn't come back till November. And then when he came back, we were already well into the midst of the season. And he was still trying to all of a sudden define his role and adjust to life in the NFL. So I think now you have an entire offseason. You didn't go through the draft process. You've been on the field to start training camp, and you know you can solidify a spot opposite a Dory Jackson. So of all the guys you mentioned, maybe with the exception of Shane Lemieux, because Lemieux obviously can be a starter. Holmes could be a slot guy slash rotational guy, but I would put Aaron Robinson as the number one guy on defense yeah. with the most to gain. Is that a fair label? Absolutely. I mean, that's how I would put yeah. him. No, he could be a starting outside cornerback on day one. I agree. So he, I think... Going back to the question that the caller posed, which was of the guys that can also, I think, you know, break out, make quite a statement, you have to tie that in, John, to opportunity. If we don't think these guys are going to get out the field and have snaps, right. to me, it makes them pretty much ineligible for this conversation. Robinson's going to have the opportunity. Holmes is trying to hold off Cordell Flott. So there is an opportunity right there. And, and by then, the way, also Khalil, Khalil Dorsey, who has kind of taken over a lot of those second-team slot snaps. And he, though he hasn't been on the roster necessarily, he is only in his third year, too. So, And another guy that has ties to Baltimore. Yep. 
So. And I'll throw out one of the guys. How about where Darius Williams lands? I was going to be my next guy. You know, yep. the Giants are looking for cornerback depth here behind their starters, and they need to find guys. So Williams, he's coming off that injury, but maybe he can figure it out. Yeah, and he also has the length ability, too, and a lot of experience in terms of college ball yeah. at Oklahoma State. So, yeah, he's another guy. It's just a matter of homes and flat, a lot of talk because of the plays that some of these guys make on a daily basis in training camp. We haven't necessarily been looking at him through the same lens, but we talked about this all offseason. Overwhelming chances in the secondary because you don't have a high volume of proven veterans aside from Adoree Jackson. So all of these players that we talked about could very well get on the field early in the season and – some of the veterans like a Dorsey, like an Andrew Adams. I know Adams has been in the league a little bit longer, so maybe he doesn't apply. But you know, what about Michael Jaquette, another guy who they brought in as a veteran who's been in the league? You know, he's another player that maybe can carve out more of a role with the Giants than what we've seen in previous teams. And he now, all of a sudden, has his breakout campaign. You can't overlook players like that. Yeah, no, I'm with you, 100%. 201-939-4513. By the way, I'm just looking at this, and this is by the and the NFL controls is not the Giants, but I love how Alex Bachman is still listed only as a first-year player, Lance, because he hasn't played in enough games to get eligibility, but he's been on practice squad since 2019. It's a but joke. he's still only classified yeah. as a first-year player. The, the way Giants they do the signed him. Let me put it this yeah. way. The, the, the Giants signed him when Pat Shermer was the head coach <laughs> on December 30th, 2019. Then again, coaches <laughs> haven't necessarily lasted very long in recent history. No, but still, that's like three coaches ago. No, of course. Yeah, we're like three cycles year. removed. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Well, because to your point, it's how many games you play mm-hmm. during the regular season to say that you all of a sudden get what they call it a crude year. Correct. That's why for the last few years before they expanded the practice squad, you were trying to figure out who's eligible and who's not, and you got to look through game logs and say, yeah, well, this guy only played two games in this regular season, so technically he didn't get in a crude season, so he still applies. Yeah, you're going to get a guy, he could spend 15 years on a practice squad. He doesn't have enough crude seasons, so they put him down. He only played one year in the NFL. You, that's why you got to take that with a grain of salt when you look at how many years on a roster, especially on a team website, they give them tally for. Yeah, and the NFL controls the experience because, yep. again, those are crude seasons. So don't miss out on your chance to experience a premier hospitality experience watching Giant games and world-class concerts in 2022 as a Giant Suite partner. Limited full-season locations are available, or you can place a deposit for individual games. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com suites for more information. I'm really happy I'm here for this moment. You know, you have, like, the videos of, like, the veteran coming back from war, and they give, like, the spouse and the kid, like, the big hug, and it's, like, an emotional experience for them to get back together. Now I get to witness Lance meeting again, kind of for the first time it's been so long, Charlie in Portland, Maine. Minus all that emotion, though, and well, sentimental value. I would, say, I would say a different type of emotion. Charlie, yeah. what's going on, man? Excuse me while I kiss the sky, fellas. Yeah, what, what was that in the background? Turn the radio down. Come on, Chuck. What are you doing? No, that was Jimmy. That was my that was my introduction. That was Jimi Hendrix. You need to work on your saying... production value, Charlie. That was pretty yeah. terrible. <laughs> the entire audience really All picked right. up on that yeah, one. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Tremendous. Yeah. Hey, hey, d- hey, don't forget the D-back that they just picked up, Wilson. He's a veteran, uh, probably another safety, right? Gerard Wilson. Yeah, from San Francisco. So uh, and the Jets. They're trying to get. They're, they're trying to get and some the uh, uh, vets. 
players in here. But hey, um, hey, Lance, I had a similar experience that you had, except they didn't hack my account, but they made a twin account. Yes, and, uh, I saw it. And they, and, <laughs> and they took my profile picture, and they called the person called it Larry Vacchiano. Uh, like he's supposed to be my brother, and they disowned long lost brother. Disowned me. No, no, but the best part, lads, <laughs> like on the Larry Vacchiano account, they say brother to Charlie, who the family has officially disowned. <laughs> <laughs> is that in the so profile? Yes, it's actually I, in the bio. Yes, I believe oh it is. Yeah. God, boy. <laughs> It's probably the same person, Lance, but I don't understand how a person yeah, can absolutely. hate both of us. Clearly. Yeah, they have similar <laughs> interests, those two people. Yes, behind that, those that's moves. actually a really good yes. point. Usually I figured they would either like you or the other one, so I don't know. Exactly, exactly. Hey, look, uh, it was great that Jackson actually caught the ball. I thought that was incredible since you know the guy can't catch. So that's a good sign. I thought that was good. And I just had a problem like everyone, not everyone, but – Jordan, Renan, and all these guys like, you know, Jones was just balling out today. Well, he had two interceptions. One was in the end zone, which would have gone for a 100-yard interception and six points, and they would have lost six points. So to me, it's like, yeah, he might have had a better day, but it wasn't like he was balling out to me. I don't know. What do you guys think when you throw two interceptions, one for pick six? Would you call that balling out? Well, obviously, you don't want to throw interceptions, Charlie. I, and I and I, I mentioned those interceptions when I talked about his performance. Yeah, I know you did. I, I didn't I leave him out. You're balanced. You're, you're always balanced, John. I like well, that. I mean, it goes back to, yeah, I mean, John and I were talking about this earlier, Charlie. I just, I don't think you should read very much into every single individual practice as if it's any indication of what becomes of the season. The other thing, though, just to provide some context, I thought Brian Dable made an interesting point the other day when he spoke to the media, and he said, you got to walk the fine line where you want Daniel Jones to simulate his decision-making of what he's going to apply in games, but at the same time, they want to evaluate certain players, and in order to evaluate certain players, they need Daniel to take chances, meaning throwing the ball down the field, trying to feed it into tight windows. So I think part of whatever the result may be of a specific throw, is it because Daniel realizes he needs to give the coaching staff some additional film for other players? Or is it what Daniel would actually do in that situation if the game presented? I don't know. You'd have to ask Daniel based on what he's thinking in his approach. Yeah. Hey, uh, the other thing, too, is, uh, uh, look, either X-Man just turned into Vaughn Miller or Neil has, has a problem. Oh no 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 Charlie no but for the for the most part X Man has not been with the ones the ones for the most part are are, are Thibodeau and Jihad so all of X Man's reps have have not been against the ones he's he's been also with the twos a lot yeah but he did, he made uh, Neil look pretty uh, silly two or three times Zimmer has gone to the backfield a couple times today he did no question. Yeah, yeah. So what I, you know, what I you know, Charlie, you know what I love about you? You find a way to contradict yourself so much throughout a phone call. Well, I mean, we go from talking about Daniel Jones and overanalyzing two passes to now overanalyzing two sets that Zimenez had against Evan Neal. Does that add up? Hey, I was just going to say, I was just going to say I hadn't seen every rep that Neal had, but the two or three reps I saw that Zimenez went against him, he was on the ground. You know, his balance doesn't seem very well. Well, Charlie, you talking about today or yesterday when they were in pads? What, what, what are you talking about? I think he's referring uh, to I think yesterday. It, I, think it, I think it more happened yesterday. Well, yeah, well today... yesterday, you have to remember this too. Yesterday, and, and a lot of people didn't write about this, and I'd mentioned on yesterday's show, those one-on-one drills, they are also simulating some play action. 
So those weren't true pass sets from Neal. He was kind of exploding out of his stance and almost simulating a run block because they were also they were kind of simulating play action passes in the uh. situation. So they weren't necessarily true pass sets, which is why you talk about his balance, right? He kind of got out and up and over his shoulders a little bit. So right, that, right. I think that's what kind of happened on those couple of plays. All right. And and one more thing, just about the defense, like you know, you know, Wink's defense to me is like like you're saying, like they don't get interceptions, they don't get a lot of sacks, right? They had one guy who had like nine sacks. What the hell does he do to stop the offense? Well, the team totals for sacks have not been bad. It's just the individuals. Correct. There's not one guy in particular that gets fifteen. Or is just right. above and beyond. Most of the guys are within the nine and a half to one range. Well, and I'm sure it's I, spread I, across the board. And I haven't looked at this number. But I'm sure I can find it. Like opposing completion percentage is probably one of the highest in the league, right? Because when you blitz a lot, you play a tight man to man. The opponent is not going to have a really good completion percentage, for example, against you. So you know, different defenses will help you in in different ways. You know what I mean? Yeah, and the other thing, I thought it was easier, maybe I'm wrong, to get interceptions if you're playing man-to-man because you're watching your, you know, the guy you're covering and you're also looking for the ball. No, no, that's the thing. In, no, zone, in, zone, the zone, in zone, you're watching the quarterback. So it makes it a lot easier uh, okay. for you to break on the ball because you're watching the quarterback. The point that Lance made before, which is right on, in man-to-man, you're mostly facing the wide receiver oftentimes with your back to the quarterback which is what makes it hard sometimes to kind of get your head around. Yeah, for example, Charlie, in 2020, uh, the Ravens allowed a, only a 63 completion percentage against, which was the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh best in the league, just to kind of give you an example. Uh, okay. All right. Well, hey, you know, it's good to see that, uh, you know, the injuries have been down, uh, really. I mean, a collarbone, no surgery. Take him six weeks. He'll be back. So it's not. Yeah, a just big, run I some cream on it. It's okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh no, Annika would definitely help. That's what I'm saying. That's what he's going to do. Brian Dable. He didn't <laughs> want to give that out because he said they're not sponsored, and we're very cautious that, of sponsors. A Z, a Z would be back on the field if he was using it by now. But for his hammy. But what? What can I say? John, you still got a tube left. Give it to him. <laughs> Thank you, doctor. <laughs> have, have a good one, Charlie. <laughs> You knew that was going to get into hey, the conversation. That actually, that actually wasn't okay, Charlie. Given the, 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 the scale we run on with Charlie, that was actually an okay phone call back for him. Well, but keep in mind, it's been a while since he's called. Well, that's so, why I, that I thought he was. I thought some perspective. I thought he was maybe saving up some real crazy stuff that he'd thought up of in the last month and a half. That's what I was worried about. That he would come with some like grade A. Oh, you know, John, I've been doing a lot of thinking in the basement recently, <laughs> and then he would come in with like something crazy. Well, you may have just given him an idea oh, for boy. another program in well, the I'm not too distant future. Based on his tweets, I, I thought we were going to get a uh, Jimmy Garoppolo mention at some point. I'm happy we didn't. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we didn't get any speculation about upgrading the roster at this yeah. point. Yeah, we didn't get any random offensive linemen on the street yeah, exactly. right now that would come in and push out Andrew Thomas <laughs> at left tackle. We didn't get you know a linebacker that played three snaps in Wink Martindale's defense and had two sacks at a small sample size. Yeah, I'm actually a little, a little disappointed. disappointed. Yep, there you go. <laughs> when you look at it from that standpoint. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, let's go to John in Cape Cod. He's up next on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's up, John? How are you guys doing? We're good, Great man. show. Thank you. Great show. You've made me a regular listener. I'm glad it's back live. Quick question. When is Paul going to be back on the show live? 
Uh, well, Paul was on yesterday and we were live, so I believe Paul is on tomorrow's show with Fiegels. Ah, I missed, I missed it yesterday. Listen, two points I want to make. One is from the perspective of time, because I'm an old-timer. <laughs> this Daniel Jones nonsense with the media. Uh, I remember the three years of struggles with Phil Simms, with fluke injuries and bonehead plays sometimes, but everybody stuck with them, and we see where where that went. The, uh, the other thing is, um, being in Patriots land, I've got a different perspective. Uh, arguably, the best coach in the whole league is is Bill Belichick. And of all, and I've heard him say this, of all the coordinators, defensive coordinators around the league, the two guys that have consistently given him the most trouble are Steve Spagnola and Wink Martindale. Okay? So I think you're going to be very pleasantly surprised with what Martindale does right out of the box with this defense. And <laughs> well, Brian Dable had even said the same thing, John. Brian Dable said one of the reasons why he wanted a higher wink was because when he was running the Bills' offense, he remembered Baltimore gave him a very difficult time. But, you know, keep in mind, when Wink was running the Baltimore defense, he had a lot of big-time playmakers where I don't think the Giants are necessarily there. I think they have youthful guys that could get there, but I don't think they're as much of a finished product with some of the levels of the defense as he had in Baltimore. So I think that's a big differentiation. The other thing that I wanted to just react to is you brought up the Phil Simms comparison. Keep in mind, that was during the non-salary cap error. I don't think there was the same level of urgency to make decisions about quarterback contracts that there are today. So you can allow yourself to take time with a guy who may be banged up, buy him some time. With the way rookie contracts work for quarterbacks and the amount of money they take up within the salary cap and you needing to find an answer sooner rather than later, you just you don't have the same leeway. You have to find a way to make a decision much quicker than the time in which Phil Simms played. I think that's a huge oh, difference. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. All I'm talking about is all the so-called experts in the media, which is a hundred times worse today because now we have Twitter and the internet. Um, if they were, if they really knew their stuff, they'd be coaching instead of writing sports. Reviews. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Uh, I'll, <laughs> I'll See, John, now I know why you wanted Paul to be on the show. You sound just like yeah, Paul Yeah, seriously. Now I know why you were asking. I was wondering. Is I wanted to Paul's circle dad? back to that. Yeah. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe maybe it's maybe it's because I'm a gray beard. I'll give you <laughs> I'll give you a hint. Uh, we've been giant ticket holders for so long that when I was a kid, the first game I ever saw was at Yankee Stadium, and Charlie Connolly was the quarterback. Wow. Okay. Let's go to Rick and Tampa Bay. He's up next. Rick, what's up? Welcome back, guys. What's no. up, Rick? Rick, you yeah, have no music like Charlie to welcome yourself I know, back? You know what? Yeah. yeah. You know what? I was ready to wound up a little Leonard Skinner, a little, uh, uh, you know, give me three steps or something since I'm down here in Florida. But 
Uh, I did have to laugh when I heard his Hendrix in the background. I was wondering who was playing it. You guys? I'm thinking, you're going to give him a Hendrix rap? I'm like, okay. <laughs> that was funny. No, and, uh, not us. And, and, of course, I thought I was going to follow uh, Charlie, but I didn't. That was good. Because uh, it's funny because I knew he was going to come up with some complaint about Daniel Jones. I knew that was coming. And you're funny, guy, because you said, guys said that he'd bring up some obscure player, which is what Charlie does, too. But it, it's, it's funny. It's nice having hearing him. Nice talking to you guys again. Are we, by the way, for real, uh, real quick, are we on the one call per week right now, or we're kind of out there just, you know, because I'm off again on Friday. Are we allowed to call twice? Let's, yeah, you know what, for now, let, let's see how it goes. If you want to call in again this week, you can. That's not a problem. It also depends on Rick. Let's see what content you bring to the table yeah, with this phone call. Oh, Les makes on. an excellent point. Excellent <laughs> I mean, point. You know, I, I love it how already he's trying to carve out another phone call. Yeah. We haven't even <laughs> judged this one yet. Yeah, exactly. It's amazing. <laughs> look at look at the confidence. You, you go away for a few weeks. These guys and gals come back as if, you know, all of a sudden. Yeah. 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 I know, and I've been thinking of what I wanted to say, but over the last couple of weeks, I've had a couple of things, and, and yet yeah, I'll get maybe I'll catch Paulie uh, at the end of the week. But, uh, um, but I have a quick, two questions for us. One, real simple. You can explain it to those who may be asking the same thing in our heads. Haven't asked it yet. What are those weird-looking helmets that they're using this year? They look like Gadzoo from the... <laughs> They're the guardian caps. That's what they're called, Rick. And it's something the NFL has mandated for, across all training camps through the second preseason game. Uh, they're basically, it's padding that's being worn on top of the helmets of all offensive linemen, tight ends, linebackers, and defensive linemen. It basically reduces uh, the severity of it, all impacts of the head throughout training and practice. So it's a safety measure. Okay, and they're there also is going to be a sequel for Coneheads coming out, too, starring <laughs> yeah. Dan Aykroyd, and they figured they'd test the waters during training camp. That's the other aspect oh. of it. But, yes, go yeah. ahead. Yeah. That, no, that's, yeah, because uh, I, uh, I, when I saw that the last couple weeks, I was like, what is going on with that? So that's kind of just a general question about that. Now, Charlie actually brought up something that I was – my one question point I just wanted to bring up. I Well, two things real is One is that I don't know if I'm the – um, I seem to be the only one in a lot of you know shows that I call in and stuff. I really think the Giants are going to be really good this year. I love what they're doing. Define I really good, Rick. Ten and seven. And I got, I said that to someone else, and they were like, "What?" And I'm like, "I believe ten and seven is realistic for this team." So that's just I'll throw that out there now. We'll, we we, we could uh, pick that apart down the road when you guys. Well, why do you feel up. that way? Yeah, just that yeah, yeah. I, I, Why don't you explain why, on it? I, I feel they're going to catch lightning to bottle. Uh, not lightning bottle. Saquon is going to explode. I really feel like he will have a really great year. I love Tony. I love the other kid they picked up at the draft this year. Galladay's going to have a, a, uh, a healthy year. With all that said, there, Jones will be manageable. He will. He won't fumble as much and uh, make the plays. I know he can throw the ball deep, and I love. Evan Neal, being down here in the SEC country, I'm a Gators fan, but I tell you, I watch Alabama kid all the time down here, and he is, I think our two ends are going to be, uh, our left and right tackle are going to are really going to play well. I love Thibodeau. I think he's going to be, a, uh, I mean, no, I'm not saying Lawrence Taylor or anything like that, but he's going to have that personality. He's going to come in and just, he's going to have a great, and Dexter is, is looking good. Uh, so and I love and I love the secondary. I love I love having Blake uh, Blake Martinez back. I love having well when he gets back. I just see it all clicking, and I love 
stable. My family's, uh, my wife's family's from Buffalo, so I hear about the Bills constantly, and I think him and Shane are going to interject something and Kafka as well. So there you go. That's just a real quick. I think they're going to surprise people. So that's just a, you and and whether and we'll see what happens. Now, Rick, will will ten and seven win the division? All right. No, I'm, I'm not Let's... telling you. I'm asking you. I'm asking <laughs> oh. you. Will ten and seven win the division? Oh, ten and seven win the division. It, you know what? It's a good question because you know. Uh, I know it's a good question. <laughs> yeah, he's patting himself I on the back as he asks I you that question. Of course, it's a good question. Seven, <laughs> will it will it will no ten and seven will win the division. They're going to win the division ten and seven. That's that's how because they're going to play well within the division. That's how they're going to get there. And uh, Dallas, I, I I don't like Dallas. They have too many holes in some of the areas uh, that they're lacking. So that's my 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 quick pick on that. But we'll see. Like I said, we got a long preseason. We're doing well without injuries. My question though, real quick too, is interception. We in the last week, in the last couple of years, we have been terrible. We drop the ball all the time. What have the Giants been doing? Have you noticed so far in the, in the first couple week week of our uh, training camp to hold on to the ball? Glue because stick them. Yeah, yeah, they've been putting stick them on a lot the of glue. The defensive back. Uh, Elmer's yeah. mostly. Yeah. yeah. All right. Jerry Rice that's came that's in as a consultant. Yeah. All right. All right. You're kidding, right? Yes, 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 we are. Yes, we are kidding. Um, but you know what I mean. And even Charlie said something about the ball. What, are, what is Wink doing, or is it, uh, it something different for the team this year to to maybe have some guys catch the ball and then those dropped interceptions can turn into ball possession? Because I think that's going to go a long way for the Giants achieving this 10-7. and seven. Now, the Giants have been around the middle of the league in terms of interceptions the last few years, just like FYI. Like, they've kind of been, like, right in the middle of the Yeah, because between Bradbury and McKinney last yeah. season alone, those two guys nearly reached double digits together. Right, and, and Bradbury's gone. So, we, um, so anyway, that's just, that was just something that uh, I, I was thinking about. And uh, you, you don't see any specific anything different, any drills, anything that he's bringing to the table that's different from uh, – uh, What's his name did last year or anything? No, not well, really. Yeah, I mean, you could simulate throwing the ball up and have guys charge after the football, but, you know, sometimes that doesn't even help you have to understand, Rick, because you're going to have a wide receiver that you're going to have to go after the ball with. It's not like you're getting clean catches without yeah. any contact. So I don't know how much that helps. I mean, if you look at also some of the guys that are high up there with interceptions just around recent history, for example, Trayvon Diggs with the Cowboys, Diggs was a former wide receiver. So I think mm-hmm. that's a big reason, John, why his numbers were so high, because you had familiarity on the opposite side of the field. I think that's what really separates some great defensive backs from having those high interception numbers, and that's understandable. He's played the wide receiver position, so he understands what it takes to catch the football. I think you know a lot of it is positioning, ball-hand-eye coordination, and just sometimes the ball bouncing your way, despite all the drills you run. Yeah, and I think, by the way, given the, the level of quarterback the Giants will be playing this year, and I'm, I'm, I'm looking at you, Chicago, I'm looking at you, you know, Seattle, I'm looking at you, you know, Houston and, and Detroit and, you know, the, all those teams, uh, Washington, they might have some opportunities for some interceptions because a lot of times, and I talk about this, I'm going to have a – Huddle coming up next couple weeks with Eric Eager from PFF. Basically, what he the data shows is that turnovers and takeaways are a product of mistakes by offenses, not necessarily great plays by defenses. So you hope with not as many top quarterbacks on the schedule, you have some more opportunities for some of those takeaways. 
Okay. All right. Because I think that's something that we've, uh, uh, we've, I, I, even though you said we're in the middle of the pack, it seems like we were lower than that because uh, so many dropped interceptions. And you know that because you said it on the show a million times. I know Paul, Paul was all over that guy. Oh, they get dropped the ball. Or they just catch the ball, you know, that kind of thing. So I was hoping maybe you saw something different, but uh, everything with training camp other than uh, Feliciano will get back soon. Uh, uh, it's been great. Um, health reasons, that's a plus somewhere because of the injuries in the past years. And if we keep it going, I like the way Barkley is, is so far, and we'll see. And like I said, I'll be, I'll be calling back again, but I think that they're going to be better than at least you guys think they're going to be good. Come on. You can't be cool. you got to deep down thinking, eh, maybe, maybe something. Maybe. Rick, have you listened to one word I've said the last six months? Like, seriously. Yeah, I listen to you guys all the time. Right. So you know where I'm at this year. I'm, I'm done with big expectations. I, th- this team needs to show it to me before I'm getting on board with, yeah. you know, playoffs and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, well, you know, I know you don't like talking about that because I won't say how we pro- uh, against uh, the next four games versus six games because anything can happen. I know not even to bring that up. So with that said, Great to have you back, and uh, give you buzz, guys, on, on Friday as the, the season continues to move forward. Thank you, Rick. Getting close. Well, Rick, the jury's still out about that Friday phone call. We yeah. have to consult with our production team, and we'll put a poll up on social media to determine what everybody's thoughts were. I have put Rick and Tamp up on the board for 10-7, and 7, by the way. He is the first bold prediction of 2022. There you go. Well, there was enough love that he threw out in that commentary. I don't know if we're allowed to use that term for the remainder of the week on this program. Rainbows and lollipops, I got that feeling. Everybody holding hands and singing Kumbaya in terms of his breakdown of the team. He was optimistic. Very. And nothing wrong with that. I'm not disputing that. It's just that I would have liked a little bit more of, other than he just loves almost every player on the roster, why they were going to get to 10-7. and I was was waiting to pull that out of him. I don't know where you stand in terms of. I, I got a, I got a Twitter question here. I got yes. Jeff Jeff Smith. I believe this is Jeff in Rhode Island. John, I would be at practice if New Jersey was closer to Rhode Island. Well, I can't help you with that, Jeff. Um, I, I do not control that. You know the power to shift land and space. Um, any comments on our tight end? Yeah, that would be impressive. I would love to be able to do that. Um, any comments on our tight end rookie Daniel Bellinger? Uh, he's been look. Ricky Seals Jones has been out there for a few days, so Bellinger's basically been the first team tight end. He's a big dude. Uh, I know he tested really well. I don't know if I see necessarily elite athleticism when I watch him, but he's big. He can move once he gets going in a straight line. So uh, to me, I think he's going to end up probably getting more snaps than any other tight end this year. That's my guess. I've said this time and time again. I think that it's going to be distributed across the board. I could see Bellinger getting the most snaps, but I don't know if one guy, John, in particular, is going to be more lopsided than the rest, especially if you look at how the Bills and the Chiefs utilize their tight ends. And I get it. Kansas City had Travis Kelsey, so maybe there's not so much you could take away from that. I also think that they're going to probably use a lot of wide receiver sets with the extra wide receiver more often than not, especially if all of these guys are healthy. So that's why I think there's slight limitation in terms of maybe the impact Bellinger can have if they do lean on at least the wide receivers to get more targets in the passing game. Bellinger could be utilized as a blocker, and he could really help maybe open things up on the ground. I just I don't know if he's going to make an immediate splash through the air is what I'm getting at. Yeah, no, I agree. I, look, I don't think this is going to be a tight end heavy offense just yeah. based on what we've seen. You know, Travis Kelsey's not here. So, and, you know, and I just. Dawson Knox is not yeah. here either. And to, to your point, if the guys are healthy, they do have a. And we, you know, it was reflected when we did our over unders, right? 
you know, there's just a, a number of guys that you think are going to get targets, and we didn't even really talk about Sterling Shepard. You know, once he gets back, and look, he's, yep. com- he's coming along nicely. You know, those are four guys, you know, with him, Tony Robinson, and, and Galladay, and then if you want to throw Richie James into the mix and some of the other guys. You know, those are all guys that, that can get some targets here. So I think it's, I think it's going to be more of a spread-the-wealth situation with the wide receivers. And then Barkley, also kind of in that mix, being at the top exactly. of the list. Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. And that's why the more and more you count all of this versatile personnel, I guess, once again, nothing against Daniel Bellinger. I'm just saying, if I'm Brian Dable and I'm Mike Kafka, in the back of my mind, who puts fear in the eyes of opposing defensive right. coordinators more, right? Mm-hmm. Is it Bellinger and seeing what he could do? Or is it saying, let's maximize an additional wide receiver or Barkley? Plus, the more and more you were breaking down the Giants' personnel, it reminds me of, and I'm not saying his snap count was immense, but Isaiah McKenzie was a player that they utilized in Buffalo yep. because he was sort of that pseudo wide receiver slash running back and players such as Cole Beasley. I just think that that's what Kafka and Dable have a little bit more of a favoring for as opposed to maybe the bigger guys that you could just go out there and hopefully win a jump ball or two. All right, real quickly, we got two minutes here and we got to get off on time because those are the new rules. Um, just to get them off my wall. I have some bold predictions left from last year, Lance, that we hadn't gone through. <laughs> They're interesting. <laughs> from last season, too. Yeah, we got, we okay. got John in Maine, 12 and 4. Lenin, Columbia, Maryland, right in the ballpark. 9 and 6. <laughs> well, I, you know, it could be he just like flipped the numbers in his head by accident. <laughs> uh, Lenin, Columbia, Maryland, 9 and 7. Uh, John Guerreri from Twitter. They will knock Dallas out of the playoffs in week 17. That certainly um, happened. Craig in Florida. Barkley would score 30 combined touchdowns. Um, Mark in Chicago, Lorenzo just a tad Ca- outside. Yeah, just a little bit off. Yeah. Uh, Lorenzo Carter, 10.5 sacks. And then uh, Levine Toilolo, four touchdowns. Did Levine Toilolo even play four games? How did about he, that? Yeah. And we know the answer. Did he even get four snaps? No, he did. Levine Toilolo <laughs> yes. got hurt in the offseason. Yes, so. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, that's why they're bold. I mean, you know. Capital we, B. We don't just call them predictions for no. a reason. <laughs> we so, had. The extra description. As I put Rick's up, I can take these down, and these can get eliminated from existence. And sorry for embarrassing you folks out there. All, All right, Lance. Good, fun. good stuff, my friend. Absolutely. Lance yeah. will be back with us on Thursday and Friday. Tomorrow it is Detino and Fiegels on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Uh, for Lance, I'm Schmelk. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you next time. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like... Whoa. And... Not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer.